grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It's kind of an odd place to be sharing a message with you. We got used to this for a while, but it's been quite a while. But it's also very indicative of where we are once again with this Delta variant, and certainly want to continue to encourage all of you to be cautious as you go out. I'm feeling fine. Um, but uh, we've got a bit of illness in our house, and so I want to be safe and get tested, and it's hard to even get a test right now uh, because of the surge of the Delta variant. Also want to encourage everyone, if you have not yet done so now with the FDA approval of this vaccine, encourage everyone to make this be the, the moment that you go and get your vaccines that have proven to be effective and safe and with our best defense uh, to move beyond this virus and to get back to the life as we know it and we all enjoy and uh, it's also the a way to care for our neighbor and care for those that are more vulnerable in our world and in our society so we encourage you um, to take that step if you've not yet done so to get a vaccination which really brings me around to my sermon for today because there are probably a few folks thinking, oh, and probably shouldn't talk about that. That's controversial today. And it's really hard to have a conversation about anything today when we have politicized so much in our society and in our world. And it's hard to have a, a conversation about things that, that used to be uh, just normal. I've talked to so many older folks about remembering being a child and going and getting their vaccine um, and not thinking twice about it as everybody in the community lined up at the gymnasium to, to get their shot. And today it's just so different here in our world and with all of the competing media messages that surround us. And it's just continuing to amp up more and more the vitriol on both sides as we deal with all kinds of important issues in our world. I didn't go last Friday night, but I tuned in later this week to watch our school board meeting to, to see how it was that they discussed masks for Loveland for this next short, hopefully, period of time and to implement a mask mandate for K through six, but they had to stop the meeting several times because people were shouting so much in the background that it made it difficult for the board to do their work. And I thought the board members did a tremendous job of trying to let everyone know that they would listen to their voices and they'd read their concerns and uh, looked up the articles that they had referenced. But at the end of the day, they felt that it was best for our students uh, to be able to stay in school, to, to mask up and to move forward with that decision. I was talking with a, a mental health professional this week about a conversation that he had had someone with at his church. They had, had this conversation and they were um, both playing guitar for their church, singing in the choir, and so that close contact, the, the sharing of music, singing, which can be more problematic if you're not wearing a mask, and certainly encourage you all to be wearing masks if you're singing there in church today that one of the things that uh, he shared with him was an experience that he had had when uh, he's been in close contact with someone. Uh, another 
um, disease, and he ended up getting bronchitis after that person had coughed, and just and how he made a correlation between the two and how it can be really helpful to wear a mask to hopefully control the spread of this virus. And he was hoping by sharing a personal story it would make it uh, less combative, but it didn't work. <laughs> Uh, and the person got very upset and started to raise his voice. And I thought it was fascinating what this mental health professional said he was doing. He said, I found myself then speaking to this other person's central nervous system, which sounds like a strange thing to say. Probably only a mental health professional could say it. But we have this built-in fight or flight mentality that that's a part of our kind of base existence. And... This person in that situation chose to fight, and so he found himself trying to de-escalate using strategies that he knew to, to speak to the emotional side of that person and not to try to go into the headspace of debating the issue further, instead rather to, to speak to the emotions and to try to calm the situation down. And we've watched this play out over and over again, haven't we, in so many situations that school board meeting after school board meeting, not just here in our community, but across the country on airplane flights, which used to be so much more innocuous. And now people are getting into fistfights on airplanes about whether or not someone should be wearing a mask. There's so much division today, so much increased anxiety in the midst of this pandemic that, that's, that's boiling over and it brings us back to our Bible passages that we read for today. These stories about Jesus helps us to think about how it is that we deal with each other. Stories that go all the way back to the Old Testament, where we can see that from the very beginning of time, we as human beings have had combated streaks within us that, that lead us to, to, to get into these places where where we're disagreeing with each other and, and to the point that uh, lives have been lost over the centuries over these issues that we could simply pull back and spend a little more time thinking about how we speak to each other and why it's important that we stay in relationship. Maybe, maybe we could deal with them in a different way. We're frankly, at a disturbing point in our communal dialogue here in our country. It was interesting as I was preparing for this sermon that I went back and I was looking at past things I had said on these weeks, and I found that over my 24 years, I had actually been dealing with this text. And back 10 years ago, I was looking back on the last 15 years and talking about how much more combative our dialogue had gotten over these years. In fact, it was 12 years ago while preaching on this text that I said this. I said, I was deeply saddened on Friday night watching Senator Orrin Hatch, a Republican from Utah, mourning the death of his good friend, Teddy Kennedy, the uber-liberal. These two were very different in their political viewpoints, yet they had a deep and abiding friendship which bound them together. I was saddened because I wondered who would be mourning across the aisle in the next generation of our Well, it's now 12 years later, and I think we all know how much farther we are away from that kind of bipartisanship and the kind of friendships that we hope that 
people can engender while they're working together in Congress so that they're all working for the betterment of all of the people of our country, which is exactly what we need. Our lesson for today that was our second lesson from James. It's very helpful in this regard. The writer says, You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness, rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. Be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. They look at themselves and, going away, immediately forget what they are like. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. One commentator summarizes the challenges of these words by saying, Henry Nouwen wrote that it's very hard to stop being the prodigal son without turning into the elder brother. Anytime people are not experiencing authentic transformation, they will inevitably be drawn towards some kind of faith characterized by boundary markers. We look for substitute ways of distinguishing ourselves from those on the outside. The boundary markers change from century to century, but they also reinforce a false sense of superiority fed by the intent to exclude others. Ironically, the one human being who is perfectly free from self-righteousness is the only one who was completely righteous. The least exclusive member of the human race is also the most exalted. The only person who has ever been truly free of a Messiah complex was the Messiah. Another commentator poses this question. The question that drove the Pharisees and motivates some contemporary Christians is an important one. In a religiously diverse culture, how does one maintain Christian identity and integrity? When we respond, we can do no better than Jesus did when asked what was the greatest of all commandments. Love God and neighbor. It is as simple and as complex as that. I said earlier this week when we were talking about these texts as a staff during our devotions that it can be a bit disorienting when you're a part of a congregation like Prince of Peace. We've certainly had our share of differences over the years. We don't see all things eye to eye, all of us at the same time, yet I can't think of a time in my 15 years at Prince of Peace where we haven't been able to come into those conversations with a sense of love and care for each other, and even when things will get heated from time to time, we always come back to a place of reconciliation and peace because we know Christ is at the center of all of our dialogue and all of our relationships that we share together. It's a different week this week at Prince of Peace as we're having this kind of hybrid worship service. And one of the realities of that then is that we won't gather together at the table for communion at the heart and center of our worship service for this week. And I think it's worth then pondering while 
we are absent from the table this week, just what it is that happens every week when we do gather there, what it means to gather, to be fed with the body of Christ, to then be sent out as the body of Christ, reconciled to God and each other in that meal, taking on that sacrificial gift of God's love and grace in the body and blood of Jesus that then transforms us to be that sacrificial gift for the life of the world. It's a, a strange and mysterious gift, but one that is our hope in the midst of a deeply divided world. What a gift it is to be a part of the body of Christ, that body that is constantly reconciling itself to each other so that we can share that message of reconciliation in the world, so that we can model what it is to love and care for each other, the way that we know that God loves and cares for us in Jesus, our Savior. Amen.